Hello, fellow songwriters, and welcome to the 24th episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process. I'm your host, Trey Xavier, and today we're going to be talking to, not so gosh, too much, but my number one guitar hero of all time. He's going on tour starting October 5th. His new music video, Temple of Circadia, is premiering in like two hours. Please give a super warm welcome to my guest, John Petrucci. Hi. Hey. Hey, what's up? Thank you so much. That was an awesome introduction. And what's up, everybody out there? This is a a nice Friday to be doing this with you. Yeah, it looks uh, really nice where you are. I mean, it's not where I am. Yeah, beautiful. That's, uh, yeah, what a backdrop. Um, <laughs> so lots doing in the, uh, in the John Petrucci world. I, uh, I was like just a couple minutes ago, ago thinking like, okay, so I know that like he's been teasing this thing. I guess it's a music video. I should probably go see, uh, when it's coming out and it's coming out today. Yeah. Basically right after we're done here. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's so much fun. My, my buddy Wayne Joyner, who's, uh, done so much work for dream theater and and for me um had this idea and I, I i realize it's two years after the record came out but we we've been talking about this idea for a long time of doing this kind of epic animated like indiana jones guitar adventure <laughs> just like we thought it would be so cool and you know we thought about when to release it. it's like you know what doing a solo tour it's coming up Let, let's get this out before there and uh yeah so that's going to premiere at six o'clock eastern time and it's a lot of fun. Wayne did a fantastic job, him and his team. It looks like so much fun. Uh, yeah. I, I put the link in the description, so anybody who's watching on YouTube, you can click that and go check it out right after this is done. So, solo tour. Um, so, we're, we're going to, uh, in a bit here, we're going to talk a little bit about your songwriting process, because that's kind of what, what we do here. First, I have a question about the tour. I keep seeing, I feel like I've seen you quoted as saying, like, it's your first solo tour. My right. Quest, but, oh, did I fever dream seeing you play did i i swear by all that is holy in like 2003 or whatever i saw you on a solo tour <laughs> at doing g3 right Does that well let me count? clarify <laughs> I, I have done many g3 tours you're 100 percent right you didn't have a fever dream you didn't have false awakening it, my first one was back in 2001 I, I don't even know how many i've done you know nine ten g3 tours But I've never actually embarked upon a John Petrucci tour. Those are always G3 tours where I played my solo material. But I never said, hey, you know, to uh, my booking agent, never went to promote it and say, hey, do you want to book a John Petrucci tour? That's that's a lot different than a Joe Satriani G3 with Steve Vai. And this is my own thing. So this is technically my first solo tour you know, at 55 years old. So I'm a little late to the game. A lot of those guys have been doing this forever. It's very exciting. And uh, basically it's your headlining. You're, you're the, you're the main act on this one, but you're also bringing along mean streak. Yes. Which uh, your wife is in the band, right? Exactly. That's that, so just, cool. Yeah. It's so cool. So brief history of that. So my wife and I will be married 30, uh, 29 years Monday when we met, she was in a, a all female thrash metal band with Mike Portnoy's soon to be wife, Marlene and John, my soon to be wife, Lisa. And we sort of all married each other. 
and we were in our like weddings and we all had kids around the same time. We were this big, happy family. Um, but Mean Streak since disbanded, uh, you know, they haven't played together in many, many years. And so I told my wife, Rain, I'm like, listen, if I ever do a solo tour, they were talking about reuniting. I said, you guys can open. Sure enough, booked a solo tour. Rain, you go on to open and Mean Streak is going to be opening for me on my solo tour. So that's going to be a blast. So awesome. And you've also got uh, Portnoy on drums, Dave LaRue on bass. Yeah. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this. Um, yeah, gonna... me too. My, and Mike and I haven't played together on stage since our last show before he left the band, before he left Dream Theater. That was like 12 years ago, a festival in Japan. <laughs> um, so obviously, we, you know, he played on my solo album. We did Liquid Tension Experiment 3, but we haven't stepped on stage and played live together since then. So a lot of firsts going on here. It's going to be, gonna be uh, historic. I am uh, very much looking forward to that, and I think pretty much everybody else is too. So over the years, gotten like we've gotten like a little peek into how Dream Theater writes songs. You know, there's a, a good bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. We've seen the charts, the uh, some of the back and forth about how it goes. Um, it, uh, uh, yeah. But we have no idea how you go about writing songs for your <clears throat> solo albums, which yeah. are now. Uh, Two of them, twenty years apart, basically, right? Um, yeah. So, really, there's only one question that we do on this podcast, and that's, and all the other ones are follow-ups, and that's, what is your usual songwriting process, and sure. how was it different for, let's say, this album or for the solo stuff as opposed to the other things that you do? Right. Um, well, I mean, for, for both my solo albums, it was actually very similar. So the way that it works for me is uh, when I'm playing guitar, or even when I'm not playing guitar, if an idea comes to me, I always try to record it just, you know, in whatever way. It could be just on my iPhone, on voice memos, usually the best way. You don't have to be hooked up to your whole rig and doesn't have to sound professional. You can even sing the idea. Any of those ideas could be things like a motif, a guitar passage that seems cool, a melody, a chord progression. I'll put it down, I'll label it, and I have this library of what I just call song seeds. So when I sit down to actually write a solo album, um, what I, I, I'm not actually starting with any completed songs. It's just an idea. Like take, for example... The opening track, the title track, Terminal Velocity, mm -hmm. the way that that song starts, I had that riff. I'm like, this is kind of cool. It's like a proggy sweet child of mine, <laughs> like in, in harmonic major. This could be fun. And so that's all I had. So I'll just, you know, I'm in the studio. I sit down. I set a tempo. I record that part. And I'm just like, all right, where do I go from there? And I start to build it. I'll play bass on it. In this case, my engineer, Jimmy T, he played bass. He was really good at programming drums. We would sit there, program a beat. All right, what about, uh, where should it go next? And I'll just kind of very stream of consciousness. I think it should go here. I'll say to myself, oh, I have this melody idea, but I need to get to it. So what am I going to do to get to it? And I'll start filling in the blanks and build it, you know, and as that happens, the song starts to, it goes from like a very blurry, I only have this one little idea to a really, a lot clearer picture. And I can sort of see where it's headed. 
like all right, I want to do a solo, but the whole song is really modal and I want to break from that. So I just want to do like a more rock bluesy solo. So let me come up with a riff that does that. And then, oh, I have a great idea. And I'm, of course, talking to myself. <laughs> I have a great idea where where should go next. Oh, do you, John? Yeah, I know exactly. You know, it'll be some sort of like crazy passage and then it'll all go back to the melody. And then, you know, so it really starts to come into play. And I just, that's how I write. And, and in the case of Terminal Velocity, every song existed as a completed final guitar track with either me or Jimmy playing bass and programmed drums. You know, then at that point, it was like, okay, well, Mike and Dave are going to plan it. So I send it to them and they basically learn it, come in and, and track it. You know, of course, they put their touch on it. You know, they didn't have to play exactly what we programmed or played on bass, but that's basically it. So it, it's, a, it's a lot different than in Dream Theater, you know, because in Dream Theater or Liquid Tension Experiment, you're in a room with guys and you're bouncing ideas off each other. And uh, there's other creative people and it's kind of going around in a circle. And, you know, sometimes I'll write stuff in Dream Theater and bring it in and say, hey, guys, I wrote this section. Let's check it out. And we'll hash it out. But most of the time, it's like these different creative minds kind of going around and in a circle and coming up with stuff. But in the case of my solo stuff, it's just me. So I'm like, well, where should this go next? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of like. You think that's a good idea? I'm not really sure. You know, I'm scratching my head. Have I done that before? There's nobody to bounce the idea off of. I would and say so, that it's a weird yeah. um, thing to think of you talking to yourself um, right. about this stuff. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I've actually seen that on the internet somewhere. I've, I've seen that before, too. And something about so you feels is natural. really familiar looking. Your beard is shorter know. or something. but Yeah. But it looks yeah. great thanks to the uh, product that I put in it. Which oh, is the <laughs> uh, John Petrucci signature Nebula beard oil? Are you wearing Nebula? I'm wearing yeah. Nebula right now. My beard smells so good. I it can't smells even tell so you. good. My girlfriend is always like, "Why do you smell so good?" And I'm like, "I don't know." There you I go. Know. The secret formula. <laughs> um, speaking <laughs> of secret formulas, um, <laughs> you're giving you're giving us the secret formula right now. But I, I'm curious about. So the process, like you described, is very different between the two. Obviously, one yeah. is extremely collaborative. The other one is just is mostly just you. But what's the sort of motivation and driving force behind it when you're doing the solo thing? Because you, you have to carry the whole song, right. basically tell the whole story with the guitar. Like you said, you, you will start with generally with like a melody idea, or at least you've got a melody idea, and you're trying to get back to it. But what's the... Sure. You know, how are you thinking about it when you're doing it? Well, you know what's funny about it, Trey? Like, some, it's a little bit, like, daunting. It's a little overwhelming when, you know, even the solo album idea, like, okay, well, I have to write a whole album worth of music, <laughs> you know, like, and you didn't do anything yet. And you're like, well, how am I going to do this, you know? But then if you kind of, like, distill that down to, like, I'm going to write a whole song, and all I have is this motif, it starts off a little bit like intimidating. Like, how is this going to turn into anything? It's just like a few notes. Like, I think it's cool, but I don't know. And then once you start doing it, it's funny. It just, it, it kind of carries itself and it, it's sort of like, it has its own life. And then you get really excited and one thing sparks another and another idea sparks another. And like I said, it starts to go from blurry to really in focus 
And then it becomes almost easy, I would say. And, it, you know, you start to roll with it. And it, it's so much fun when it gets to that point um, because it, it goes from, you know, it's kind of like I've said this before, like if, if you're building a house and you just have like a, <laughs> the property and you don't know where to start and you don't have a plan or whatever and you start to, well, here's the foundation, here's the framework well, starting to come into play. And then you start to work out the details and the rooms. Next thing you know, it's like fun. You're into it. You got this like awesome house. Well, same with the song. It, it, it has a life of its own and it becomes really inspiring and fun. It's the biggest, that's the main word, you know, just, I can't wait to like go back in the studio. You start dreaming about it. It's like these earworms that never leave. Oh, I can't wait to do this. I know exactly where it should go. And, and then you start the whole process over for the next song. You know, Temple of Circadia, I had the riff. I'm like, that's all I have. <laughs> you know, so where do you take it? And that song kind of built in, into this whole epic piece. So, but that one riff or that one motif or that one melody could spark it and inspire it. You got to put the work on work in. And especially if you find it fun, I'm the kind of guy, I'm a creative person. I like being in the studio environment it's fun for me to play and have ideas and get stuck and be like, where should I go next and throw the guitar against the wall because an idea sucked and come back and oh, <laughs> you know, you ever see the world's angriest guitarist videos, yeah. you know, turn into that guy for a little bit. <laughs> He's just the embodiment of all of us. But, yeah, exactly. But just, he doesn't, he doesn't hold it back, you know, no, he does we all not feel like back. that pretty often. <laughs> I felt like that trying to learn, dream theater songs probably more than anything else oh man i you know I, i'm finding i'm feeling that way having to play these songs now live because the other part of this tray is it's all well and good being in the studio and describing the process i'm talking about but you might come up with stuff that's just like really hairy like you're not really thinking about well i'm gonna have to play this live at some point you're just like i think it should go here you know never having physically played it going from here to here and then like okay i'm gonna play this song live and then i'm like wait what did i do how am i supposed to do that you know um all right i need to practice for a year to be able to play that <laughs> in any way shape or form um and so there's that where now you're challenging yourself as a live performer to be able to play this stuff which you never really actually played you know you put it together and now here you are trying to play. So yeah, that that's when I feel like the world's angriest. That's when I'm punching my hand. It makes me a little sad to imagine you throwing one of your beautiful guitars against uh, the wall, but at the same time, like whatever it takes, you know, whatever it takes to get it done. You can't. Well, can I? I'm sure you disclosure. That was I was being dramatic. I don't really I, throw I, my I, guitars I, against the wall. I didn't actually, <laughs> but but the vision, you know, me like thinking of it, I'm like, oh. Yeah. I've, I've been privileged to be able to play many of uh, your signature models throughout the years, and I love playing them so much. I, I don't have one in my collection at the moment, but I'm every time I, I see you come up in my feet, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to go. Gotta grab you know what? Er Ernie Ball Music Man, Trey, I, I've been with them for, we celebrated 20 years, which is like crazy. It's actually even more than 20 years now. And every time we get to, okay, we're going to like kind of change the finishes, we're going to introduce something new for this year whatever and i start working with their creative team they blow my mind you know the ones that they just came out with for 2022 i'll be bringing those on tour with me 
the uh, spice melange and the crystal amethyst and these different ones that we, I mean, they're just like every guitar is a work of art and they, they play beautifully. They sound incredible and they just, yeah, they're works of art. So very fortunate to be with them for so long. Those guys are unbelievable. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I, I remember uh, finally being, getting to see the eight string yeah. Um, and uh, touch it a little bit at Nam, and uh, I presume you'll be bringing one of those along. Um, well, or, you know, I, I actually I, I didn't presume. write any. Um, I didn't have the eight string yet when I wrote my when I wrote Terminal Velocity. So there's no eight string song on either of my solo albums. So unfortunately, I won't be bringing it. I I, I have been using wrongly. it with Dream Theater um, on the latest album. I wrote a we wrote a song called Awaken the Master, and that one we've been playing live. And, that guitar just sounds like thunder. <laughs> we, you know, we purposely wrote that song and, and, you know, made it start with a guitar riff by itself. Just so I wanted everybody to hear the voice of that thing. And uh, yeah, we played some of the, we just came back from South America, played some of these shows in Chile and Buenos Aires and Brazil. And I'm up on stage and I'm just start the first notes of Awaken the Master with the eight string. And it's just like the sky is opened up and something <laughs> it's just like this massive massive sound it's so. kind of a, an addictive sound like i have two eight yeah. strings i i never like was like oh i should really get an eight string i want some one yeah. so bad but like i was like all right let's try it out and then you like play it through a proper amp and you're right. just like ah oh, it's too mean it's too <laughs> it's too powerful you're just yeah. you, uh, that's all you want to do then like you're like, all I right, know. forget the rest of the guitar. I want these low, low notes. Exactly. Well, that, the, the funny thing is, like, in that specific song, I mean, it's written just like any other Dream Theater song is written. So, you know, there's any sort of, at any given moment, there might be a combination of riffs or some sort of crazy unison thing or a guitar solo. So I'm using the whole range of the instrument and getting used to having that extra range and playing stuff that's all addictive down here but then still having to be the guy that's up past the 12th fret on the high strings shredding away with fan frets, you know, it's a whole different, I don't know, it's a whole different thing. And in some ways it's very familiar feeling because it is a majesty, but in other ways it's a whole different beast, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. Play, plays like butter. <laughs> so Thinking of it like like that, like coming from a complete like a guitar perspective, you know, you've yeah. obviously been playing at a very high level for a very long time, so you're constantly thinking about the guitar. But when you're when you're writing stuff for a solo album where the guitar is the focus, right? Are you ever thinking about like where the guitar has gone in in twenty years since you wrote the last one? Are you just just doing the thing that you do or are you kind of looking around at, at other people who have uh, been doing wild wild shit on the guitar and taking anything <laughs> from that well if i thought about that too much I, you know i'd i'd be in trouble because there's some people are doing some wild wild shit <laughs> and and taking it in, in all different directions i you know i think it's kind of more of the the first thing you said where I'm just writing the way that I write. I'm writing from the the creative place that's most genuine for me. You know, if there happens to be some sort of like technique or something that I picked up along the way from seeing one of these wild guys, then maybe I'll incorporate it. But I think in general that if you if you compare the way I wrote 
the songs for suspended animation to terminal that not much really changed in the approach. Um, I'm, I'm writing from a place where I had a moment of inspiration and had this cool idea or a melody came to me, whatever, and then turning that into a song, not really thinking about what's the latest and greatest Instagram technique that I've seen, <laughs> you know, I'm just as impressed as anybody out there when I see that stuff and there's just so much talent and this people are doing amazing things, but I, I'm not, I don't get in that headspace when I write, I'm just writing the song and I'm just writing it the way I would write it, you know? So I think that kind of best answers that question. You, you have to fill more than a 15 second Instagram clip. You're writing whole songs, that, uh, a whole album worth of songs. You know, you have to sustain people's not just interest, but like, yeah, you're, you're, you're creating a, uh, a narrative. You're hundred percent right. And you know, it, it's, it's funny because it's instrumental guitar music, right? So that can go in a whole bunch of different directions. Some of them not so great. Joe Satrani proved it to us all when he came out with Surfing with the Alien. It's not only the guitar playing and the pyrotechnics and the technique, but it's the song and how that captures your attention. You know, it, it, music is a, it's an emotional experience. It moves you in some sort of way. And so I, when I'm writing music, whether it's instrumental or with Dream Theater, there always has to be that element of like, is this interesting? Is it something that's like, emotionally making a statement is when I start to listen to it, am I interested enough where I want to finish listening to it or am I fast forwarding through it to get to the good stuff? And so that's a question that I'm constantly asking myself as I'm writing the song. Is this staying interesting? Is it cool? Is it like driving? Is it emotionally engaging? You know, you got to think about like, if you go to see somebody play, let's say you go to see Eric Johnson play or Steve Morris, and you're going to sit there in an audience and this person's going to play for you instrumental guitar music. Are you going to be taken in by this and moved by it and like, you know, just engaged by it? Or are you going to be looking at your watch or like, I'm going to go get a beer? You know, you can't fast and, forward a show. And, and, you know, and the guys that the guys that do it right and do it so well are doing it because they're kind of hitting all those marks. You know, it's not only the playing. I mean, that's part of it, right? We all love to see a performer that has a certain style or, or technique about them that's impressive or that's, you know, just interesting to watch. But it's more than that. It has to be the way the song comes across and hits you. Can you fill a whole night? Can you entertain people in such a way that they sat down, bought their tickets, got a babysitter, went to dinner, sat down, they're okay, start the show, you know, that doesn't exist on just like licks and right. fast things alone. There has to, there has to be substance. There has to be, or else you're not going to have an audience, you know? So that's always really, really important to me. It seems like the structure of your solo songs, although it's a bit more ambitious than a lot of instrumental, melodic instrumental guitar stuff, it feels quite a bit more restrained than sure. liquid tension or dream theater type of stuff. Um, yeah. Are you in doing that intentionally? Are you structuring it a certain way? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that because of what I just said, because of the fact that I'm, I'm cognizant that it's instrumental guitar music, there, there has to be something about it that's purposeful as a song. And sometimes that restraint kind of helps with that, you know, because you can just kind of glue together one crazy 
part to the next crazy part to the next crazy part to the and it's just going to become monotonous so there has to be something about it where it's like man i'm just, this solo section we're freaking in four four and i'm just gonna play you know this rock riff and i'm gonna you know have fun over it and then we'll get to some other crazy stuff later but it needs those moments of kind of push and pull um and and release so yeah that that restraint is definitely on purpose it's in the songwriting it's in the styles to make the song kind of exist more as a listenable piece of music you know that's very important i think yeah um do you ever uh take any of these demos or or ideas or anything and ask uh anyone else's opinion about it get any kind of input from like a producer or some kind of uh just somebody that you trust I don't, I don't because they're so, if I played for you, like my stupid little seeds, I'm like, they're, they're so rough, Trey. It's like, I wouldn't want to play it for anybody. <laughs> what about when you, you know? when you get it a little bit more fleshed out with program? Not really. I don't think so because I think at that point it moves so quickly. You know, once I'm, once I'm in the studio and I'm working on the music, you know, these songs are developing in the way that I said, like where within a few days, you know, that song will be done and it, drums will be programmed and, you know, it'll, it'll be ready to go. And I'm kind of mo moved on to the next one. So, mm -hmm. no, I think the only stage that happens in is when it goes into the mixing stage. And I'm kind of like, OK, well, this is somebody that I'm bringing in who wasn't part of the writing. What do they think? Um, what's their take on it? But no, I don't do that, like to get any kind of opinion or, you know, second guessing anything. If anything, my wife, Raina, is my biggest sounding board because she's a guitar player and I come home every night. Hey, what do you think of this? So she's probably the biggest person in that position. Um, but yeah, no, I don't send it out to anybody or, or do that. After you've programmed the drums a bit and played some of your own bass, how much does it change from uh, when they do their own parts? Like how much would you say it, uh, it, it changes? It changed, you know, it changed, it definitely changes a bunch. I mean, what the way that I program the drums, or in this case, Jimmy T did most of the programming, is a lot faster than me on the computer. I'm basically I'm determining what I think the feel should be on basic level, like you know, half time or double time or snare on downbeats or whatever. Like, that's the feel I had in my head when I wrote this section. So, that'll give the drummer an idea of like how I'm feeling it there's certain really specific passages maybe where the guitar riff has to be locked into the kick drum pattern or something. But other than those two things, you know, like in this example, everything after everything was done and I sent it to Mike, let's just say Mike Portnoy in this case, he was the first thing he asked, it's like, do you want me to play it exact or do I free? I'm like, Mike, do you think this is a guide? You know, I'm not a drummer. <laughs> This is just showing you the way that I felt it when I originated these riffs, but go for it. Do your thing. You know, these little sections, I need you to play specifically because we're locking into some kind of motif. Other than that, you know, don't try to play the fills that I programmed. <laughs> like do your thing. And so he was like, great. Um, and so when he came in, you know, the difference is, I mean, did it sound like, in general, what I had written, yeah, it did, because he's not going to come in and change the whole thing altogether. But now it sounds like there's personality. You know, now it has energy. Now it's alive. Now it's not sterile anymore. 
now it has his thing. And then you hear that Mike Portnoy Phil go by you're like, that's the shit, you know? Yeah. But a lot of the, you know, a lot of those decisions I made that were my intention, like I really want snare on, you know, on all the downbeats, you know, he'll do that for me, but he doesn't have to match the exact kick drum thing that I put in there or whatever, you know, he does his drummer thing. And same with Dave, you know, Dave is a master bass player. And he doesn't need me to tell him what to play, yeah. <laughs> but you know, not at all, but you know, he can decipher which parts I want us to be in unison on and which part is like, okay, this is a chord progression. So I played the roots, but you do your thing. And Dave's like the master at doing that. So, you know, if I were to play for you, the initial version of the song with final guitars, me or, and Jimmy playing bass and program drums as completely compared to the record with Mike and Dave, it's not like you'd be like, oh, I don't recognize it at all. But you'd be like, okay, now this sounds like a real record because real people played on it that know what they're doing and injected their personality and their enthusiasm and their excitement and energy into it. I was really happy with the result because doing things the way I described could potentially lead to a very sterile sounding record because there's no room, there's no drift room. Like Mike had to play to my tempos and my everything I programmed, like the guitars are final. But somehow he did it in a way where it sounded natural and didn't, it didn't feel like there was no ebb and flow. So I was yeah. happy with that. Yeah, it feels really nice when you're listening to it. It almost feels live. It's, it's weird, but it kind of does. Yeah, I think you you did a great job. Um, obviously, I sp- spent a lot of time listening to the record, um, and y'all go be sure to check it out. John, I don't want to uh, take up all your time. I know we uh, had we're about uh, at the thirty minute mark. You got a premiere. You got a premiere to attend. Um, <laughs> I, I hope you got your uh, top hat. No, um, but, right, right. So uh, I want to um, give you a chance to talk about the uh, the tour a little, like a tiny bit, to pl- plug it however you like and um, sure. and whatever whatever you got, whatever Absolutely. you want the people to well, know. Well, I mean, it is a tour that's uh, going to move very quickly. There's 36 shows between October 5th and November 20th, uh, including a couple shows in in uh, Canada. I'm excited about it on so many different levels. Yes, I play with my solo band, but technically, Trey, this is my first. So this is, they booked John Petrucci, not G3 or Dream Theater or whatever. So everything's riding on that. (laughs) All the risk, all the reward. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Mike and I playing on stage together again. We met when we were 18 years old at Berkeley, played in Dream Theater for 25 years. I haven't stepped on stage with him in 12. And so that's emotional for me. I'm into that. And then on top of that, Mean Streak Reunited, I've never toured with my wife. This is going to be, like, incredible. Anybody that knows the history of Dream Theater and Mean Streak and how that all happened but never got to see them is going to get a chance to see them. So, you know, to me, it's going to be a celebration of guitar, of family. You know, it's a beautiful time of the year in the fall just leading up to the holidays. So I hope everybody comes out and enjoys it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think I can uh, speak for everyone watching the stream and all of my fan base. We are all as excited as you are. And, oh, uh, that's great. Very that's much great. looking forward to it and uh, to your uh, new music video, which is premiering very soon. Um, 
And uh, I will hopefully uh, see you in whatever show you're playing in LA. I didn't actually look yet, but I was, you know what we're playing. I've never played here. Um, We're playing the Ace Hotel. Are you familiar with that? I don't even know what that is. That's actually sounds very familiar, but wherever it is, I'll uh, I'll be there. I'm uh, I'm like basically oh, right there. Oh, perfect. Downtown, well, make so sure you stay matter. in touch about it. It's it's going to be fun, and uh, I start rehearsals in a couple of weeks or less than that, I think. So um, I'll be doing that. And and like you said, tonight, Temple of Circadia, two years after the album came out, Wayne Joyner's brainchild of the epic Indiana Jones guitar story temple of of guitar (laughs) temple of circadia it's it's a blast he did such a great job and uh i want to thank you trey it's always great talking to you man and uh thanks for doing this stream and you know thank you everybody who uh who tapped in and watched and listened so thank you so much i appreciate you very much taking the time and um, i will uh see you real soon sounds good man all right all right take care well that was awesome (laughs) 